free throw line, to the goal line, to the baseline. If it's game day, these Wildcat ladies will get their blue on. And then they'll tell you all about it, right here, right now. If you're a member of the Big Blue Nation, you know what to expect from these two. Their loyal support of the University of Kentucky sports program will not get in the way of their hard-hitting, in-your-face opinions of any subpar performances, including those of the fan base. If you're brave enough to voice your opinion or just want to be a part of the action, call in at 646-716-4741 or tweet to Big Blue Views. Ready to play ball? Then let's welcome the hosts of Big Blue Views with more than their fair share of swagger and southern sass. Michelle Brown and Kristen York. Good evening, Big Blue Nation. We have made it to 2016. This is Big Blue Views. I'm Michelle Brown, and I've got Christian York here with me. Good evening, Kristen. Good evening, Michelle. How are you? Well, the winter weather finally arrived. It snowed this morning. We have not seen any snow. We've not even seen any snow yet, but listen, I enjoy all the seasons, so it's winter. Turn on the snow. Okay, well, we've had winter, so, you know, I'm done. (laughs) There was there was like a hundred snowflakes stuck on my windshield for about an hour this morning, and uh, I mean that was for the sum total of it. But okay, I saw snow. I came, I saw, conquered, finished. You know, <laughs> check it off. Where's spring at? Bring it on. <laughs> well, see if you were an old goon like me and you had arthritis in uh, from uh, beating your body up in sports all these years, then you wouldn't be that thrilled about wintertime either because it makes, it makes these old joints of mine just cry a little bit. I get a little whiny. <laughs> hey, but I own it. it out. You'll tough it out. It'll be all right. It happens. I might whine about it, but I own it. You know, I own it. <laughs> so anyhow, we have got just, uh, uh, again, another show that is just packed from top to bottom. So much stuff going on. It's, it's very strange when we have uh, Kentucky football in a position where they did not participate in a bowl game again, and yet that's one of our hottest topics of the week. We'll get to that in a second. We've got basketball coming up. We have got uh, Justin Rowland from Rivals. He's going to be on here to discuss an article he published uh, last week regarding uh, his argument that Patino's banner should come down from the rafters at Rupp. Uh, that should be a very, very interesting discussion, to say the least. Uh, and we're going to be talking about sports journalists, uh, specifically those that really irritate us, and you kind of wonder how some of them got their title of journalist uh, based on some of the things that they write. So uh, all that, I mean, the Ole Miss game, the LSU game, just on and on and on. I'd say it's a very, very, very busy show. It is a very busy show, and you know, I'm, I'm 
come to you and I said, man, we really should get Justin on. Because not that I particularly agree with what he's saying, but he proposes probably one of the most um, articulate arguments I've heard concerning uh, maybe bringing down Patino's banner. So, um, yeah, I can't wait to talk to him on that. It's going to be great. Well, I, I think so. In, in a discussion like this, I think it's it's a very healthy thing. And the funny thing was um, when he first brought the question up on Twitter last week, it sparked a, a fairly lively conversation. I was just an observer. I didn't jump in uh, because it, it was more entertaining to watch. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the uh, participants in the conversation said that the question was not appropriate for Twitter. That was uh, that's uh, that that's something that you'd want on talk radio. And well, I'm saying, asking you yeah. shall receive. <laughs> Exactly. So I'm saying, you know, and, and, it, and it's it's good. I mean, so we've seen uh, some discussion. We've had a couple of people tweet in thoughts already, but uh, uh, that'll be coming up around 8:30. Uh, so in the meantime, I think we'll just kind of uh, start at the beginning. Um, yeah. Wow. A, a lot of things happened today in football. Uh, well, it's not a lot of things happened, but we got to hear uh, firsthand from from our new offensive coordinator, of course, and then Derek Hen- I'm sorry, uh, um, Henshaw, I'm uh, losing on the first name there. Um, but, you know, we got to hear from them for, for really the first time. The, the only thing I said today, we, you know, the, the press conference with um, with Graham and Henshaw, I think it was, there was a lot of, a lot of great stuff. Uh, I know I was also, I, I, I will follow Fred, Trey Maggard, and I really, really respect his opinion. He, I mean, he's been there, sure, been there, done that. So if there, you know, he, he's, I, I think, a very, uh, a very viable opinion. There's something that that somebody you want to listen to. I mean, he's got a, a voice of reason where it concerns Kentucky football, and he was just ten kinds of excited today about what he was hearing, and that really. That that just raised my spirits tremendously because you know you, we're we're a little bit gun shy here because we we heard a lot of great things about Shannon Dawson coming in and that never really came to fruition. Yeah, I absolutely agree. But I probably think one of the the things that Freddie said today that probably got me the most excited was us courting um, the JUCO quarterback um, Stephen Johnson. Um, he was singing his praises. Uh, if we get him, could there be really? I mean, we've always assumed that Stoops' legacy would kind of be, you know, hinged on the success of Drew Barker. If they get this Duco kid, is, is there going to be a quarterback race? And if there is, can this um, Stephen Johnson, can he win out? Because, I mean, he does have a whole lot more uh, experience than, than Drew has. So we'll have to see how that goes. Yep. Now, one thing, and I'm pretty sure I saw you comment on this today, and it was um, it was something that, that didn't exactly set well with me. I mean, I, so we heard we heard the great things from Grand, you know, that we're, we're going to hit the ground with 800 miles an hour. We're we're going to uh, you know go full steam ahead, and it's they're going to be demanding that you know everybody be. I don't want to use the term all in. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's okay. 
but you know, I think the, they want the team, you know, everybody fully committed on the same page, working toward one goal, and that they're, they're going to have expectations that they demand of the players. And, and I think that's a great thing. Sure, yeah, they follow through on that. But the the part that didn't sit well with me, and I know it didn't sit well with you, and that was Stoop saying that he didn't really see that there was locker room dissension this year. Yeah, it's it's really aggravating because it's not so much I don't care what happened, but something happened, and we know it did. So don't sit there and feed me a line. Listen, in the words of my husband, who is full of um, full of these little sayings, is I'm not a mushroom. Don't feed me no crap. We know there was, and all I want to hear from him is, yes, but it was a team issue, and I'm protecting the sanctity of the locker room, and I'm not going to comment on any further. That's fine, but at least acknowledge it, acknowledge it was there because it was. You know, if, if you didn't know what all the details were behind it, I mean, okay, you know, maybe somehow the, the, the players managed to to hide that. I'm not sure how, but Maybe you didn't know all of the details, but to tell me that you're there with the team practicing five days a week and, and games and meetings and everything else, and you can't tell there's a problem and we can tell it with our limited exposure to the team, that that was the only thing that gave me pause and, and just put the brakes on my enthusiasm just a little bit. Well, and if you don't want to listen to me or Michelle and you think we're full of crap, which we sort of are. <laughs> but, you know, we talked about this with, you know, with Larry Vault last week, and I asked him when did he think it started, and he asked me, well, what do you think? I said, well, whenever Boom left the team or took his little hiatus, he's like, bingo, that's, that's when it started. So, I mean, that was early. That was early in the season, and that's when we kind of seen the collapse. So, I mean, again, don't bring me no crap. I ain't a mission. And we'll be happy to uh, to take your calls, take your tweets. Uh, and before I forget, like I said, we're just now getting rolling, but always got to remember to give a shout-out to the Radio Wizard. Uh, if you don't have that app, you can hear us streaming on the Radio Wizard app each week. You can get that free in the App Store and on Google Play. Mm-hmm. You can also hear us down in uh, southeastern Kentucky in the Whitesburg area from 103.5 WUKB and uh WUKB, starting Monday, will be a Kentucky News Network affiliate. So mm-hmm. they'll be uh, uh, covering a lot of Kentucky sports and, uh, and of course, news, hence Kentucky's News Network. Good for them and good for that part of the state. I know I'm from, um, I'm from the next county over. I'm there from, you know, Pot County. And uh, it's good to have a radio station like that where you can kind of get all your news while you're driving down the road or or whenever you want it, it'll it'll be available to them. So congratulations to those in Watford, Jenkins, and Neon. Absolutely. So we're we, um, uh, proud to uh, uh, be a part of, of their family. Uh, it's, uh, well, it's exciting to us to always have a new affiliate that wants to uh, put up with our rantings and ravings each Monday night. But uh uh, as Kristen said, if you if you've got anything, if you think we're full of it, you know, by all means, tweet us and call us and tell us. So uh, uh, we'll happily take any criticism you want to dish out at us. Oh yeah, it's worth tough. We can take it. Absolutely. So um, anyhow, was there anything, uh, any other quotes from this news conference today that really just 
jumped out, grabbed you? One of them being that um, Derek Ansley was promoted to co-defensive coordinator. Uh, not that it's a demotion for DJ Elliott of any sort, but here's what happened. There was SEC team. Uh, I want to interrupt Derek you, Chris. Kristen, I don't want to interrupt you, but you, I don't know if you've moved your microphone or something, but suddenly we can't hardly hear you at all. Oh, I apologize. There well, we what go. Happened? Um that Derek Ainsley was promoted to co-defensive coordinator. And uh, that's not a demotion for DJ Elliott, who was the lone defensive coordinator. But Ainsley was being courted really hard by a lot of other SEC schools. There was a lot of offers on the table for him to, you know, go elsewhere and um, and to take another job, maybe with more pay, maybe with um, a promotion. So Stoops had to do what he had to do. And now this, um, Ansley is going to be there with um, uh, with uh, DJ Elliott, and they're going to be running this off uh, defense together. So that was pretty big news. And I and I like that. That's kind of um, I mean, she's shifting a few duties around, and and I know that there was a, a huge sigh of relief from the um, people that are far more uh, expert in their knowledge of football than I am, but. Uh, they consider that a, a really huge positive step uh, with Ansley staying. That that's it. that's a little more continuity. I mean, it, it's rough enough when you change offensive coordinators every year. Oh, absolutely. Um, um, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, just because I know the defense took a lot of flack late in the year, but I I have a hard time being super critical of the defense when they were being asked to play way more minutes than they ever should have had to, and when, quite frankly, they had overachieved for a a good portion of the season. I mean, they they wore down by the end of the year, but, you know, there was a million problems we had last year, and I just don't think D.J. Elliott was one of them. Yeah, the whole problem with D.J. is that Dukes really didn't trust the guy. And that doesn't mean that he's a bad coach. It just means that Stoops didn't trust him. And whenever it was I, – I will always wonder somewhere in the back of my mind if, what could Dawson have done if Stoops would have just kind of unleashed him a little. Um, he, he may have still flopped. He may have failed. It may have been worse. But then again, it could have been better. We'll never know. Well, and, and again, this goes back to our previous point about – Dissension in the locker room. You know, it, it. I'm sorry, but it just spilled over into so many things. I, I really think they were trying to keep fires put out so that the public wouldn't see them, and it disrupted any kind of of true preparation that might have been going on for games. Oh, I agree. I agree. Um, and and no, I was not in the locker room. So no, I was not a witness to that. I'm not saying I've got insider information. I'm just saying if you take all the facts into consideration, this is how it looks to me. You know, and, and you could be very well right. Um, it's, it's it's just hard to say. It's hard to say what happened. But, uh, you know, I do, I wish nothing but the best for Shannon Dawson. And, and I hope that, you know, wherever he goes, he's he's successful and and all that jazz. But, you know, it just wasn't a fit here, if for no other reason than because Stoops couldn't trust him. And listen, Stoops, the head coach, he makes the decisions on who he trusts and who he don't. So 
I'm not putting nothing off on Stoops and saying it was his fault. I mean, Stoops was doing what he felt was best for the team, and that's his decision as the head coach. And, and I had somebody ask the question, well, what's going to be so different? You know, we heard all these great things about Dawson. He came in, and that was not as expected. So why is this going to be any different with Eddie Grant? And I, it may sound like a very small thing, but I, I think it's huge. And he's bringing Henshaw with him. Dawson did not have the luxury of bringing one of his guys with him when he came in. I agree. And that, and that was, you know, a little bit on Dawson's fault. You know, he could have insisted on that, which I'm sure Grand did. And he, he didn't do that. He came in by himself. And maybe it was a little naive on his part to not have someone to kind of be a partner in arms with. But uh, either way, you know, he's, he's not here. And that was a very smart decision. I want to say this. I know we're we're running on a little bit of limited time before we get to um, Justin coming on shortly. But one thing that we learned today, Eddie Graham said, he was describing his system, his plan, and he said a multiple pro-style offense. Different personnel will adapt to the personnel. What that says right there is uh, my air raid. We will not hear uh, hear of the air raid anymore at Kentucky as long as Graham's here. He said he wants to be balanced, to be physical, and to run the darn ball. Effort, discipline, pride, it sounds cliche, but we that's what we want to be. I don't care if they call it the gingerbread cookie offense. If we get points on the scoreboard, I'm all for it. You know, and whenever I heard Grand say that, I couldn't help but think in my mind, what could he have done with Patrick Tolles? Because that's what Patrick Tolles is. He's a pro-style quarterback. He was going to be – he was really recruited into a pro-style offense that Joker was running. So – I mean, what? I mean, again, that's another thing that I'll always wonder, and I'm never know the answer to. But I just wonder what Patrick would have been able to do underneath uh, Grant. And I kind of speculate that what we would have seen was what we had, what many had or hoped they were going to see last year, and that is that we would have seen probably uh, a pretty fair mix of Patrick and Drew. Depending on situation, yardage, plays needed, I think they both would have had significant playing time. That, that's just my take on that because sometimes you, you need you need the more accurate passer. Sometimes you need the guy that can just flat run and take five guys with him if need be. I agree. And uh, one other thing I want to mention, which I think was uh, music to all of our ears, is that several times both Grant between Grant and Henshaw, they had both talked about CJ Conrad, and we I know we were all frustrated, very frustrated last year, not utilizing him at the tight end position more because uh, we felt like he could have been a difference maker. And whenever he was utilized, he was very effective. So it sounds like Grant and Henshaw both have plans for him to be used uh, uh, more than he was last season, and I know we're all ready to hear, see that because he is. He will be an All-American or or an All-SEC player before he leaves Kentucky, that's for sure. Well, and and the other thing that Graham brings to the table, he's he's known as a a, a top-notch recruiter. Oh, absolutely. And and if you just add that in with what Stoops has already done, I mean, I can't imagine the players that's going to be brought here. 
No, absolutely. That's uh, I don't know. It's going to be exciting. It was, it was really kind of funny to see some people tweeting today uh, after the press conference. Wow, suddenly I can't wait for football season, and we're right <laughs> here just now starting conference play for basketball. So that's that's kind of a that's a cool thing. So there you have it. The football updates. Uh, if you've got any thoughts on the new coaches, on any of the uh, information that came out today's press conference be sure to tweet us at big blue views because we will have uh, justin on in about 10 minutes so we'll be taking calls in our second hour but uh get all those views ready we also have a question tonight like uh, as i mentioned earlier about who your most annoying or worthless uh, sports journalist we put that uh, term in quotes because Quite frankly, there's a lot of them out there that are in positions uh, that you would expect to be held by journalists, and they act like anything but journalists. <laughs> Tell me about it. Before we move too far on from football, I do want to mention one quote, and I and I hope I hope and pray this is that the joint sentiment of of the Big Blue Nation is that someone said, and I wish I could remember who said it now on Twitter. They had tweeted and said, "I've drinking the blue cool. I've drinking the big blue Kool Aid." A hundred times, what's it going to hurt to do it one more? That's and, so I hope that's how a lot of people feel. I think that uh, Gran and uh, Gran and Henshaw, I believe they deserve a chance. Whether Mark Stoops does or not in your mind, I believe that those guys do. And Derek Ansley being, you know, paired up with DJ Elliott, they deserve a chance. So let's, let's give them one more good go around it and, and be um, – <laughs> All in against the one more season. Well, and let, let's face it: when it comes from a financial standpoint, I'd say that you're going to be looking at at least two more years of Mark Stoops, regardless, because financially, you can't really afford the buyout. Well, here it's not just the buyout. Here's what it is: whenever you break it down, if we say, "Okay, Mark Stoops, we're going to buy you out and release you from your contract," well, right now that's twelve million. So, hey, that's $12 million, which I think Kentucky can afford. I mean, it's deep, but we can afford it. But once you let him go, of course, you're going to be letting go of most of his staff. And then you have to hire a new a new coach to the tune of whatever they pay him, and then their new staff. So, I mean, we're talking about a multi-million dollar endeavor that is going to take a whole lot. It would take a whole. It would take a really devastating season for Kentucky to entertain the thought of letting him out of his contract early. Well, and we're not even talking with the financials at that point because if you if you change head coaches at this point, you have essentially to set yourself back at least five or six years of any progress that this program is making. Yeah, yeah. Right now, we're even though we had a disappointing, a disappointing season, we have uh, we have a lot ahead of us. We have a lot of I mean, we're really rolling as far as recruitment goes. We're rolling as far as getting good recruiters off. I mean, hopefully a really good offensive coordinator. They've made the changes where they need to be made. And, uh, I mean, they've done everything I could have asked for and more. So I have no choice but to support them again. Well, there you go. I think that that's a good way to leave football then. And we've got, I mean, just tons of basketball news. Um, of course, we had the Ole Miss game and then, I think we'll talk a little bit later about the LSU and kind of preview that game. Um, but, oh, my God, what about Tyler Ewis in that game against Ole Miss? 
Well, as I tweeted out the other night, I said we were the University of Kentucky. <laughs> um, I mean, it's and and I've got to have to share this for those of you that aren't on Twitter or that weren't on Twitter the other night when I had uh, tweeted out a stat that came out that Tyler Ulis was the only player in UK's history to have twenty points, ten assists, and six steals in one game. And he is in only school history. And I said, let that sink in. I mean, you know, it's not like we've had a bunch of chopped liver that's come through the University of Kentucky. And so my my dear co-host here, her reply was to send me a picture of a sink knocking on the door. <laughs> <laughs> let that sink in. Let and that sink I mean, in. And, I mean, and if you just and subtract the, the, steel mar- the amount of skills he has, just at 20 points and 10 assists, there's only been four other U.K. players to ever do that in history. I mean, so, I mean, he is in a very, very uh, limited company at that point. The whole point with the 20 points, 10 assists, and six steals, I think that's only been done by a few players this decade in the NCAA. I mean, it's unreal. That That is unreal. Which reminds me, we need to – get back in touch with our friend Jay Williams and find out why he is still saying that Chris Dunn at Providence is better than Tyler Ewis. Well, here, okay, this is my theory, and I've watched Chris Dunn play, and let me tell you, he is is really a beast. But he has never had – maybe he has more consistent games. Maybe he's just more consistently playing at a very high level. I know Tyler has had a dip here and there. But here's the God's honest truth. No no one has matched his performance that he had against Ole Miss. Nobody. Not even Chris Dunn. No one. It's it's impossible. And maybe Chris Dunn is a better overall player, but he is not a better point guard. So, I mean, I think it's all depending on the way the question is asked. Well, and so that was the thing. Jay Williams was asked specifically best point guard, and this was immediately after the Ole Miss game, and he still said Chris Dunn. Well, me and Jay would just have to argue about that a while because I can't subscribe. Exactly. That That's what I'm saying. We're going to have to get back in touch with him because we know he's going to be on sometime this month because his book is coming out, um, Life is Not an Accident. Mm-hmm. I think that's the title. I want to make sure I get the title right. But, uh, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. Uh, we'll have a few more games uh, to add to Ulysses' resume by then, so – that that should be very interesting to see how that pans out. So, so anyway, uh, so we will have uh, Justin rolling on in just a few minutes. So this seems like uh, the best time to just go ahead and get a two-minute break in here uh, so that our friends at WUKB can uh, get the commercials played and uh, we get a chance to take a breath because, you know, we've talked nonstop here for 30 minutes, so I mean, not that, Chris and I are not in condition for this. <laughs> We've been training for a long time, people. <laughs> uh, anyway, don't go anywhere. We'll be back in two minutes, and we'll be ready to talk with Justin Rowland. So you all don't go anywhere. This is Big Blue Views.
are back to Big Blue Views. It's uh, uh, Monday night. Yes, Monday night. You've got to love Monday. Um, so we I do. This is, distra- <laughs> this, this is quite the ritual for a we moment. have going on. Oh, you're, this is quite the ritual we have going on every Monday night, you know, just giving each other a call, talking sports for a couple hours, interacting with some friends. <laughs> Yeah, so we say, what the heck? We just might as well open up the airwaves and and include a few more hundred or thousand friends with us. <laughs> Sounds um, good to me. I'm gonna say, I think we've got Justin here. Let me see if we do. Come on, little button. Don't you love little buttons? I do. Technology is wonderful when it works. When it works. <laughs> I know that was one thing whenever I was uh, hosting the show the other night, whenever you were sick. Um, I I learned that those buttons don't always work when you want them to. (laughs) I think we're Justin, do we have you? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Welcome to to Big Blue Views. Hey, thank you for letting me come on. It's it's a pleasure to join you all, and I'm glad glad you consider me a friend, you know. You you said you were going to invite some new friends to talk, I guess. I haven't had the pleasure of meeting either of y'all, but I've heard a lot of good things, and I'm glad to be with you. Now, listen, I've been wanting to have you on for a while now. I was just waiting for a really good opportunity, and, man, did you ever present one. <laughs> well, I think the circumstances presented the opportunity because, you know, normally when you got a team that doesn't make a bowl game and the regular season finishes, things, things are kind of dull. But it's been anything but dull over the past month on the football front and then basketball, you know. I um I kind of made the circumstances with the Patino talk, but I guess we're going to get to that. Uh, well, you've certainly been busy then, huh, with everything that's been going on? Yeah, yeah, I stay busy, and I I hear about that all the time. But you know, you don't you don't get into the to the news business, whatever whatever part of the news you're reporting, unless you know that going in. So. Well, and 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 you have to have a passion for it. I mean, seriously, because if it, if you didn't love what you were doing. This would really be a sucky job to have. <laughs> That's right. You know, I, I started covering college football recruiting when I was 16 years old, part-time. And I think I was already a type A personality, but that just kicks it into overdrive. I mean, if you're not a type A personality when you start that kind of work, you're going to be a type A personality. And then if you were type A, you're going to be OCD. And <laughs> I think that that's probably where I'm at. Well, before we break down uh, real deep into your article, just uh, tell our listeners a little bit about uh, Cats Illustrated and, and your work at Rivals, just so they kind of get a feeling of where you're coming from and your background. Right. Um, well, just my background. I'm, I'm the publisher at Cats Illustrated over at Rivals, and, and like I said, I started out doing football recruiting very, very young, and uh, fast forward 14 years. I can't believe I'm, I'm 30 now, but I am 30. And I've been I've been covering college football recruiting for a really long time. And this year I took over as publisher when Brett Dawson left to go cover the New Orleans Pelicans and Anthony Davis down there. And, uh, you know, that was a golden opportunity. And I've been cutting my teeth covering basketball for the first time or writing about basketball, and we got a really good team, so I'm grateful. Well, I got to meet Brett um, there. My husband works at the – or my husband – my brother works at the beer trap there in Lexington. And I got to meet him there one evening. He's a class act guy. He is. He set the bar high, and, and as far he as did. journalists go, as far as journalists go, he 
he's had a standard. I'm just not as good as him in some areas, and I've accepted that. And I haven't tried to duplicate what he did well. But, you know, I like to think we've, we've done pretty well, and hopefully he's proud. Yeah, I'm sure he is. Good. Well, and uh, toward that end, um, we have uh, told our listeners about the article that you published. Uh, I guess this was maybe like last Saturday, Sunday. Anyway. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, yeah, I think it was yeah, about the, how, the, I think that was about how long ago it was, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember the Twitter discussion uh that that uh, preceded the article that you wrote and that was uh, asking if anybody thought after after Patino's exit and flipping off the fans uh not going to the press conference all those things, you know, was that time for a discussion about bringing his banner out of the rafters and I don't remember specifically I, I was a Oh, I, I was a rapt observer of the whole conversation. I just didn't uh, jump in with my feelings because I was I was far too uh, interested in just watching everybody else talk. But somebody said, "This is not a question that's good for social media. You need it on talk radio." So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, that might have been tongue in cheek. Well, 140 characters didn't do it justice, and I'm I'm not sure that. That that we can even touch on everything here, but I mean, it's I think it's it's a good time to discuss. On, on the one hand, it's not a good time to discuss it because everybody's angry, <laughs> but on the other hand, that makes for good radio. So so let's do it. Well, one thing well, I want to say is that if you if anyone hasn't read the article, I did skim through back at Justin's hundreds of tweets since then, and I found the article and I posted it to the Big Blue Views Twitter page. So all you have to do is skim back maybe 10 or 12 tweets and you will find it there and you can read it in its entirety after the interview. I appreciate and also, that. And those that follow me on Twitter, I'll link to that just uh, right before the show started because we already got uh, a couple of responses from our listeners. But I think you made a lot of really valid points in your arguments, but, but there's a few things that I'll probably disagree with and this is what I like that we can have that discussion and I think it's it's a nice platform so other fans can actually hear it. It wasn't like you were just mad at Patino and came up with this. You, you have very, very well thought out uh, discussion points here. But one thing you said was that you, know, you can't discuss Richie Farmer and then discuss Patino. This is not the time to discuss Richie Farmer. And I kind of, it's almost like they're intertwined. I, I don't know how you can discuss taking down one banner and leaving the other. Uh, that's a fair take, and and I will say that I don't have a problem with somebody saying that, that Richie's name should come down. That's not I'm not contesting that. The only the only thing was the timing of the Patino piece coincided with Patino inserting himself as the storyline in, in Louisville's loss. So you know, had Richie been in the news again as it related to Kentucky basketball, then you know I would have said that would have been a great time for the discussion. And and I th- I think it's important for me to acknowledge that that you know it's a natural question. If Patino deserves to come down or doesn't deserve to be there, then what about this guy? That's a that's a, that's a legitimate discussion. I will say that I don't think it's as open shut as comparing the magnitude of the crimes. I think the nature of how Patino has acted is more of a direct assault, quote unquote, on the institution of Kentucky basketball than Richie's. I'm not saying that what Patino did is is as bad, but I think it's more directly opposed to Kentucky basketball, and Rupp Arena is the symbol of that. 
That's a, that's a fair statement. Now, but my take, and this is probably going to be uh, really off the wall. Uh, you may not have heard this. As a matter of fact, I was also writing an article about this when yours came out, and you had said many of the same things that I was going to say. So I've, I've taken a different approach to my article. So it's delayed a couple of days now. But if Patino and he keeps denying that he flipped us off. The video is there. Yeah, it's a little grainy, but, I mean, you don't just stick your hand up in the air and one finger magically pop up. You know, we, we all know what we saw. But I, all I wanted him to do was own it. I would be far less offended if he's going like, yeah, I was frustrated and I flipped you off. And, and if he did flip us off, which we all think he did, I think that's the most honest communication he's had with the Big Blue Nation since he said he he made a mistake by leaving. Is he even capable of that level of honest discourse is the question. I think the people who immediately defended him saying, well, we, we don't know what he did, and that was the best defense you could give him is just to say, we don't know. It doesn't look good, but we don't know. Um, to them, I would ask, what has he done that would that would give him the benefit of the doubt at this point? He really hasn't done anything to, to keep the benefit of the doubt. You know, somebody lies and lies and lies and, and shows his tail over and over again, um, you know, where he was in the tunnel and the the photos, whatever you think of the photos since, I mean, I, where it happened, you know, it, I, I don't, I think it's a very slim possibility that, that he wasn't doing it. And, and to your point, denying it when it appears he, he's obviously not telling the truth is worse than what he actually did because, you know, he, he's making a calculation now. That was, that was a momentary lapse of judgment. He was angry. He was hurt. He was annoyed, but he's calculating now that if he just says he didn't do it, then it's going to go away. And, you know, that the bad thing for Pacino is that fits the narrative, that he can't own it, that he hasn't. And this is a man who said, I'm 63 years old. I'm not going to say no comment anymore. I'm going to say what I think. And in the same interview, he's denying something that, that he obviously is not telling the truth about. So I, I, I don't think you can take the man at his word. Now, one thing, and, and I hate to... I hate to read directly from your article, but there's something that was so pointed to me that you you actually almost made me believe we should take his banner out. And maybe we should. I don't know. We'll leave that up uh, kind of for our listeners to, to come in on. <laughs> Excuse me. But you wrote this, and I, I want to read it. It says, honors are privileges, and privileges are not rights. If a person callously and blatantly conducts himself in a manner that's contrary to the spirit of the award, or he demonstrates a level of ingratitude and behavior that's inconsistent with what the organization stands for, there's no reason for a self-respecting organization to continue to recognize the honor. That really spoke to me. Well, thank you. And, you know, I I don't want to pretend like that's going to automatically change anybody's mind, but on on a certain level, I think it's a matter of whether Kentucky wants to be a self respecting basketball organization because because right now the question is if you're going to let a guy go coach at Louisville okay that obviously didn't keep the name from from going and staying but in my mind that burned up all the all the capital that he had you know if you're going to let a guy go coach at your, at your arch rival and you're going to jab at Kentucky and Kentucky fans all the time by saying this is the best team this is the best player I've had obviously poking at Kentucky, and then you go into the to the arena that they are very generously still 
still honoring you in, and you do something that any player would just catch enormous flack for. After everything that Patino has done in recent years to, to his brand and to, and to the Louisville basketball brand, to me, that was that was one of the greatest signs of disrespect that he could have shown. He, he should know better. He should be sufficiently humbled by now. And it's not like Kentucky owes him anything. He owes Kentucky where he is right now. If it weren't for the University of Kentucky, Rick, who knows where Rick Pitino would be. So I, I think this idea that they owe it to him because he did this, this, and this – a little bit misguided, and, and, you know, is Kentucky going to let Rick Pitino play above the rules and above the level of mutual respect and decency? You know, I think I think there's a basic lack of self-respect there that Kentucky owes it to itself to, to reexamine. And I also want to read one other little point here that where you said for many people, and I think this is for the people who kind of are, are with these, like maybe the banner does need to come down. You had said, for many people, the banner is a sign of submission to the man who made uh, to the man um, that more Kentucky fans dislike more than any other sports figure, more than even Leitner. It's a sign of submission. And then you go on to say that no matter what he does, he gets to keep his banner, and it's an act of submission indeed. Yeah, and, and then you could bring in the Richie Farmer the point to what I'm about to say. But but what could Patino conceivably do? To cause the band to cause the name to come down. I don't. I don't know that. I think. I don't want to like say that there's any one person that that caused it to stay up there. But the question I would pose is: Is there anything that he could do to cause his name to come down? And that's a legitimate point. Is there anything that he could do to lose the honor? And and if there's not, then it's not an honor. It's a right. And I have a real problem with saying that he has a right to be there. That goes back to the point about self-respect and, and really is there, there a kind of insecurity with Patino. You know, we might, we might be Indiana if it weren't for Patino. And I think that that's patently ridiculous. Um, and, I, and I've touched on that in the article as well. I, th- I think what really got me riled up more about anything, and I would have probably – been one of those fans that said you leave the banner up because that's that's part of our history. You take the banner down, and and to me it, it's an essence of of forgetting part of your history. But Mark Coombs, uh, rural blogger, he he wrote an article and he was the one. It's so funny because he was calling it. It might have been an actual good piece, except he got to the end talking about how all the Kentucky fans were ingrates and that we owed Patino, the very point that you just said, that we owed Patino. And and I do share your opinion that Patino does owe Kentucky because he, he got – you don't get to the level of, of – I mean, it's the elite level. I mean, it, he didn't get to be elite by coaching Providence to a Final Four. He was not elite by being an assistant with the Knicks. He became recognized as an elite coach because of what he did at Kentucky because Kentucky is college basketball. But to have a Louisville blogger tell me as a Kentucky fan how I'm supposed to feel and what I owe Patino, I, I do take great, great, great exception to, to that because a, a Louisville fan, first of all, is in no position to tell us how we're supposed to feel. Right. They don't understand it. They haven't achieved this. They're they're nowhere near our level, and you know, hence the the little brother thing. Right. But, yeah, and and it, it's not really about Louisville. I mean, you you feel however you want about Louisville, respect them, hate them, whatever. 
it's not even about Louisville. Louisville fans don't need to get riled up about it. This is between Patino and Kentucky. That's an excellent point. The other thing that I I had about that is the supposition that people have made, uh, the ones that are in favor of taking the banner down, um, they said anybody could have brought us back. I don't... I think people have gone to too many extremes here. I don't think it's true that any coach could have done what Patino did. But I also firmly believe that we would not have been an Indiana or UCLA because Kentucky basketball is a completely different animal. We would have come back. It may have taken longer. It may not have been in such spectacular fashion. But we would have been back on top. Yeah, I agree with that as well. Yeah, I I think – a lot of people like like to make Kentucky out to be, you know, somehow transcendent, you know, over over every college program out there, and certainly over most. I think Alabama football is virtually identical to Kentucky basketball, and the, the two things that virtually guarantee Kentucky will rise to the top. I don't know how long it's going to take whenever they're down, but they will rise to the top. Are a the level of fan intensity and the demands that the fan base makes and be tied in with that, the money that they're willing to spend. If you've got a program with a prestigious history, a fan base that will not tolerate Tom Crean's resume over the last seven years, and you're willing to spend $8 million on the right coach, it's only a matter of time. You might have to fire five or six guys in quick succession, but that's what they're going to do. You know, Indiana's arena was falling apart, and UCLA has the Los Angeles Times profiling, you know, their lack of adequate facilities. Kentucky has the Wildcat Lodge and basically the Taj Mahal of basketball training facilities. It's it's just – it's a total non-starter. I'm not saying that what Patino did wasn't great. What he did was phenomenal. He might have been the only coach at that time willing to take the job and able to turn it around in the midst of probation, but it's not like it wouldn't have happened. And, you know, really – I don't have a problem keeping the banner up if it's only about what what Patino accomplished as the head coach. But for me, an honor is about more than than the the little snapshot in time. You know, you can't just totally disregard the sins and the, and the the problems of a person in the last two decades. I think what it comes down to for me is if you just look at just again a snapshot in time, as you said, whenever you in the same arena where he's he has a banner hanging in his honor, he flips off the fans. And that really just speaks volumes. And I think there's a lot to be said for the fact that those championship banners, that 96 championship banner, will always hang in the rafters that he coached that team. So, I mean, in a way, he will always be honored. Right. That's a, that's a great point. I agree 100%. I, I think the, the 1996 national championship banner sufficiently recognizes the accomplishments of that era. And if you want to honor Walter McCarty and Tony Delk and, and all the great players of that era, Ron Mercer, Derek Anderson, and honor those players, honor the team. But at this point, he's, I, I, don't, I think he's run out of capital. I think he's lost his opportunity to, to be singularly honored. And, and, you know, the point that people would make is it, it, it honors the years that he was the coach. Well, you can still honor the accomplishments of the team and the uh, and the individuals in that era uh, without and maybe you do something besides the name maybe honor him in some other way but to put him alongside with the exception of Rick, Rick, Richie Farmer so many of the great figures in Kentucky basketball you're really you're really giving him a really platform that I'm, I wouldn't be entirely comfortable with. 
Well, I think the the most important part of your article, at least to me, of what that has uh, really emphasized is that there needs to be a serious discussion, and this being with the the powers that be, you know, the, the administration at UK, uh, the athletics department, to put together a, a very finite list of this is what you would have to do to qualify to have your name hanging in the banners, and this is what would get you taken out. I mean, have a, like I said, it's a privilege. This is how you earn the privilege. Yeah, I think that's a good point too. And and people people in positions of power are so reticent to go back and undo things. You know, certainly, um, you know, the NCAA stripped Reggie Bush of his Heisman Trophy. You know, the NCAA, whatever Kentucky fans think, decided to take away two of Coach Cal's final four. You know, there's it's not like there's no precedent for going back and taking things away. And this is a different animal. Um, but I I think that. We're grasping for straws if we're expecting them to do that. I don't think they're going to do that. I think that most people at Kentucky just want want the banner to stay and criticize the man. But there's just such a disconnect. I mean, there's just such a bizarre disconnect when the man enters the arena to booze and to, to dislike hatred. Um, he leaves flipping off the fans. He's, he's fodder for radio and print and message boards. People despise him and probably take it a little bit too far if you personally, um, but then you still got his name up there. And it's just such a disconnect that I think at this point it's just a, it's a glaring contradiction. It certainly uh, is. And the, the way that I see it, and I think what bothers me the most is, and, and why this conversation uh, bears having a discussion, is because I don't know if there is any way, especially in the foreseeable future, that we can bring that man into our arena and him receive applause or him to really be welcomed back by the fans and be honored for why he has a banner hanging in our arena. I don't think there will ever be a time, especially in the foreseeable future, while we all remember and have this so fresh on our minds and we'll be able to um, to honor him and be thankful to him after all that he's done in recent years. Right, he's a Louisville man. He's got he's got the big red L tattooed on his body. He he's been the coach of Louisville for longer than he was the coach of Kentucky, and he's probably the one human being in the world of sports that's taken the step of coaching at that level of a rival. People people don't want to talk about this anymore because this is a 15 year old argument or however long it's been, 10 years, but. Roy Williams would never, never go to the NBA and return to coach Duke. And Coach K would never go to the NBA and return to coach North Carolina. You want to make this out to be the nation's greatest rivalry? I mean, Jim Harbaugh goes to the grave of Bo Schembechler and cracks open a Buckeye before the Ohio State-Michigan game. I think it's kind of a knock on the magnitude of the rivalry, you know, not to not to sort of maintain that, that kind of, that kind of be, being really upset that this man, you know, decided to coach there. I mean, just it, it, there's something fundamentally wrong with a person who thinks that that's okay. And I'm not making him out to be bad, a bad person on that point. But, you know, if it is what a lot of people think is the nation's greatest rivalry, then he did something that you just don't do. And my only point there is he didn't have any capital left to spend when he disrespected the arena and the fans like that. On that, on that, that, you know, that Saturday a couple weekends back. 
And I, I think that's a, a very valid point and probably the, the best way to to wrap up that the uh, the whole discussion is is he he did not have capital left to spend. It'd be interesting to see uh where this goes in the future, but I, we certainly appreciate all the time that you have given us tonight because it's been nice to have an in depth discussion about this and not just me me and Christian just bouncing our old things, but you did make some very, very outstanding points and I really uh, enjoyed the article and have certainly appreciated talking with you tonight and we sure hope you'll come back and talk with us again sometime. I would, I would love to. Go ahead. I was going to say, make sure you tweet out that article again so people can find it. Um, I, I, I think more people need to read that because it was really interesting. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. Y'all have a great have a great start to the new year, okay? <laughs> God bless you. Good night. Thank right, you, bye-bye. Justin. That was Justin Rowland from Rivals, and uh, as you know, we discussed his article and be looking. He is at Rowland, R-O-W-L-A-N-D, Rivals, on Twitter. So, uh, all that was all together, at Rowland Rivals. And uh, before we take another break, it looks like we have a call here, so we'll go on and take that. Hello, you are on Big Blue Views. Hello? Hello. Yeah, I'm just calling about the worst writer uh, in America. Uh, this this voice sounds familiar, Michelle. Sounds like Jeff Goodman to me. Yeah, he's the worst writer in America, no doubt. <laughs> I wouldn't say necessarily worst, but he could be the most annoying. <laughs> that too. That too. I would go with worst and most annoying. Oh, it's good to know that you agree with some of our listeners, Jeff. Hey, thanks for calling in. Uh, no problem, no problem. I'm just driving back to uh, to my hotel from dinner uh, to watch the Kansas-Oklahoma game tonight, which uh, hopefully will be a good one. It should be a barn burner. How are you guys uh, doing? Well, we're doing wonderful. We, uh, your, your name came up today, uh, big surprise, because you brought up a nine-month-old story, Jeff. I know I didn't. You know I didn't know it was nine months old when I tweeted it out. To be honest, somebody sent me the link, and I tweeted it, and then I got killed because it was nine months old. And uh, I do get that. I, I actually, you know, I have a lot of fun with you guys as a as a fan base. I think you're terrific. I think you're passionate. I think there's some some knuckleheads who go over the line, uh, but for the most part, uh, I love you guys because. You have the passion that I'm not sure any other fan base. And and I grew up in Boston, okay? I grew up, you know, Red Sox fans, Red Sox, Yankees, all that. And wow. I don't think Red Sox fans have the same passion uh, and intensity that you guys have. Well, we will definitely take that as a compliment. Jeff, <laughs> <laughs> no, I have a serious question. Yeah, go ahead. Do you – Really, just rot stuff to get our goat because it feels like a lot. You write things to intentionally get us riled up, which you know in turn gets you a, a lot of clicks on your articles because, of course, we are big and we are passionate. Do you really just try to rile us up just for your own personal entertainment and click value? No, I, I've never written an article to rile you guys up. Okay, never in a million years I would never write an article to do that. Have I on Twitter? had some fun with a tweet here or there. Absolutely, absolutely. But I would never write a story intentionally. And I've never, honestly, I can say this because at the places I've worked, Fox, CBS, and now ESPN, 
Nobody has ever told me, hey, you know, we need you to write something about Kentucky for page views or Duke. Or I understand what, what drives traffic, uh, but I'm not writing something and forcing it uh, just because it's going to get page views. You know, back when I was at Fox, I covered mid-majors probably more than anything else, and certainly at ESPN, let, let's face it, they don't, you know, they, they're pushing the, the, the big programs. That's what they want. That's what's on the air. That's what they want us to, to, to talk about and write about. But never have they said, hey, you, you have to write something controversial, or never have I thought I need to write something controversial about Kentucky to rile them up. No, I, listen, again, a tweet here or there to have fun, sure. I mean, listen, I, I think that's what Twitter's for. And if you see me on Twitter, you know I'm not just doing it to you guys. You know, the fan right now, Louisville fans despise me um, because I wrote the story uh, from a couple months ago talking to the former players and recruits at Louisville who confirmed, you know, that, that there were those parties. I do my job. And, and Arizona fans where I went to school, they hate me. Duke, Carolina, you name it. Most fan bases don't like me because I try to tell the truth, at least what I perceive it to be. And, and we appreciate that we've had uh, Jay Williams on our show a couple of times, and he uh, we we would give him a playful little jab about his uh, support <laughs> of Duke. But we do recognize that, it, and and the Jays are, I think, some of the best in the business with keeping their uh, homerism out of things. I mean, they're they're very objective, and and I will agree that I know that you do have uh, fun at our expense on Twitter, and and and. Sometimes, depending, you know, we had fun back, and sometimes we've got some people that get maybe just a touch too upset, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I get it. Listen, I get it. I was a fan growing up, too. Not not to the same extent. I always knew this is what I wanted to do. So growing up in I was never a fan of the Red Sox or the Patriots or any of those teams because I kind of pulled more for players than teams. Um. And still that's the case. Listen, I think you guys probably know if you follow me, I think I was on the Tyler Eulis bandwagon probably before anybody. Love the kid. Now, do I love the Harrison twins? No, I, I didn't. I thought they were always overrated. I didn't love their body language. I thought Tyler Eulis last year was a much better fit for that team, uh, also this team, but even more so last year because they had so many offensive weapons uh, around him that he didn't have to do too much other than run the team, push the ball, defend, make open shots. So I felt like he was better for that team. Uh, I said it, you know, and I know Kentucky fans don't want to hear it because you're always going to protect your own, whether it's Andrew Harrison, whether it's DeMarcus Cousins, who back in the day I saw go after players, refs, you name it, every AU game I went to that he was in. So I didn't come up with this on my own. I'm not I'm not picking out of thin air. I love Devin Booker. I love John Wall. For every guy that you guys can say, well, you know, you, you're too hard on, on Boogie. You're too hard on Andrew Harrison. There are usually reasons for it that predate them getting to Kentucky. Rondo, I, I didn't like Rondo at Kentucky, to be honest. And, and then in Boston, I mean, I, I covered him quite a bit with the Celtics. He was a bad locker room guy. He took the air out of the locker room. He over-dribbles. Everything's flashy. 
And really, the only reason he won the title is because he played with three Hall of Famers. Well, as long as we're getting your views on some players, because uh, you and I are going to uh, disagree forever about Andrew Harrison, because I, I, I think uh, what your problems were with him were maybe true the first four or five months that he was with the team. But uh, once we got into March of 2014 and there on out, he was a different player, but you had the same criticism. So that's where the Big Blue Nation took exception with your yep. your comments on him. That's fair. I said I think he got a lot better second half of last season. I thought early last season he was bad the first eight or ten games, and he got a lot better. Uh, I just thought they would have well, – we, we'll, we'll, we'll shelve that discussion because that could go on for a while. Exactly. But one question we did have that's more current – uh, we have one of our listeners want to know what you uh, what your view is on Scala this year and the struggles he's had so far. Boy, um, you know it's funny. Scala's one of the few kids that I didn't see a lot in AU ball. So generally, when I see these kids a lot, I, I've got a pretty good handle on them coming in and, and the expectations and whatnot. And I didn't see Scout more than a couple times uh, in in the summers now. I think part of the problem with Scal was the fact that, you know, his handler, his guardian, whatever you want to call him, uh, put him at this kind of – put a team together for him. Took him out of out of his team at Memphis and put a team together, and he really didn't play anybody. Um, so I don't think he's gotten better in the last two years other than in the summertime. Um, he needed to get stronger. That really wasn't the case over the last couple of years. And, and I think he's still kind of figuring out the, the the IQ part of the game, as well as the physical, the mental, and the toughness. So to do, uh, can he do it because he's not strong enough right now, especially in his lower body with his legs to hold his position? Um, and, and I just think, listen, the expectations were probably too high for him. Uh, and Cal is trying to prove a point with him, trying to make him tougher. Um, and I'm not sure it's going to work this year. And, and the interesting question, and one actually I've been hitting a lot of NBA scouts on today, actually, just to kind of get their feel, where would Scal go right now? If they had to draft Scal right now, where would he go? Where would they take him? And the consensus that I got is somewhere in that, like, 8 to 15 range. And the interesting part of that is, well, should he come back? I think Cal might have said something. I, I didn't – thought I saw somebody tweet out a quote. Did you guys see it? About him coming said, back another year? Yeah, he said all he said was he is not coaching him the way that he coached Carl in a way that he felt like he had to get so much into Carl in such a short amount of time. He's just coaching him like a normal player, which I think a lot of people maybe jump to conclusions or, or maybe they were rightly yeah. jumped to. I don't know, but that's what he said. Yeah, I mean, well, the, the the interesting part of Scal is, all right, so if if he does come back for – and his year isn't over, okay? There's still a long way to go. He just started league play. The light could go on. He could get tougher. He showed a couple flashes of that against Ole Miss. I didn't watch that much of that game, but I did see he was more aggressive, uh, more assertive, played with a little bit more emotion. So there's still a long way to go. But, you know, does he come out this year and maybe be a late lottery pick? And if he doesn't, he could come back another year, maybe get better, get a little bit more prepared to get into the NBA, but next year's draft is so much better, and he he also runs the risk of being exposed a little bit more if he doesn't get better. 
So what do you do if you're Scal? I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a really tough decision if his year continues the way the first part of it's been. Well, I think, and I don't know if you uh, were uh, aware of this comment, but uh, Cal had sat down with uh, Scal last week during Camp Cal, and he said, you know, maybe you're not going to be able to do everything to be ready to go to the NBA at the end of one year, and that's okay if it takes two. Unpack your bags, relax, and enjoy the process. And then Scal promptly came out and had – he didn't get to play a lot of minutes because he he did foul out. But like you said, much more aggressive, and he seemed to be having fun again. And I think that maybe taking that pressure off that ever – and and that's my thing. It's like these these scouts put this projection on, and then people treat the player like he's the one that came in and said, I'm going to be a number one pick. And he never said that about himself. (laughs) No, you're you're absolutely right, Scal. And, and again, I've only talked to him a couple times. Uh, the times I have, unbelievable kid. Probably too nice a kid, and that that's part of the problem right now. I think, you know, Ben Simmons was going through some of the same things. You know, too nice, too passive. Obviously, Simmons is doing so much for his team, uh, but I think Scal needs to get a little bit of that toughness. Sometimes maybe it takes somebody swinging an elbow at him early in the game to get him where he's really, really pissed off uh, and, and goes after some guys and plays with that, that high motor and intensity. And until Cal, until Cal sees that from him, he's not going to play in big minutes, even though he needs them desperately because they don't have a, a skilled front-line guy. I mean, Marcus Lee and Poitras are not skilled forwards. So you need Scal in a sense because he can step out and make some shots um, he can score on the post against certain guys, depending on how physical they are. Uh, but I think the game's just – it's awful fast for him right now. You can tell. Um, you know, and I think part of that is he just hasn't gotten as many reps as people thought he would at this point. Now, I want to ask you what you think about Tyler Ulyss because I know kind of a hot debate's been between that, some of the Big Blue Nation and our, our friend Jay Williams where he believes that Chris Dunn of Providence is the best point guard in the nation. Of course, the Big Blue Nation uh, contends that it's Tyler Ulyss. What's your take? I, I, again, I said how much I love Ulyss. Chris Dunn's a better player. He just is. He's a better player. Physically, he's able to really guard people because he's 6'3", 200 pounds. Uh, he doesn't take care of the ball the same way as Ulyss, but he's got tremendous court vision. Neither one are great shooters. Euless probably a little bit better shooter, um, although he struggled this year, whether it's the fact that he's taking more contested shots or the elbow was certainly, I think, hindering him early in the season. I would take Dunn. You know, definitely as a pro prospect, I think Dunn's a top-five pick. He just impacts the game more on the defensive end than Euless, and I think he's just, he's got so much more on his shoulders because Providence has nobody else. they got one other player, Ben Bentil, and that's it. And Ben Bentil averaged six points a game last year. Providence really has nothing, and he's got them right now where they're ranked, I don't know, somewhere in the top ten. So I would go with Dunn. As a matter of fact, I might I might pick Dunn as player national player of the year as of today because Denzel Valentine's been out the last couple games and he's going to miss a few more. Well, one tweet that we got in while while we've been talking to you, Jeff, and I have to share this one with you because uh, – I'm, I'm sure that you are familiar with uh, 
the Twitter user at UK Sports All Day. You've blocked her a couple of times in the past, and then they cheer you unblock her. Uh, <laughs> yes, I always do that. I, I, I you know, in, in basically what I do is every year I block. And actually, I don't really block this year. I've muted. I've muted much more than I've blocked. Um, but but I usually yeah end up blocking maybe seventy five, a hundred people a year for the last couple of years. And then before the start of the season, I unblock everybody. Well, she just tweeted, I will have to admit that Goodman ESTN is making some good points on Big Blue Views, but I blame Forever Big Blue and KS York. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I, I, I appreciate for... it. I'm really not <laughs> that bad a guy. I like, I like to have fun. Honestly, I do. I like to have fun. I don't take myself too seriously. I try not to take my job too seriously. I have the best job in the world, and I know it. Trust me. I know there's so many other people who could do my job as well, if not better than me. I lucked into it. Uh, I think I work hard, and, and hopefully that that makes it so people don't fire me. Uh, and I try not to suck. I try not to suck on TV. Honestly, that that's kind of my mantra: is try not to suck on TV. Words well, that we could all debate, live by. With this debate coming up, Michelle, do you think maybe he's? Uh, you know, kind of uh, giving himself a, a little bit of a reprieve because, we, of course, we're still going to have the poll coming up. Who's the worst journalist? You think maybe he's made up some ground? I want to win that. No, no, no. I want to win. I don't want to. I don't want this. Hey, listen. I want to strike this conversation from that poll. I sh- we should have had the, the voting done before this because well, I don't. You were I don't leading want this the voting. You, you were leading the voting prior to your call. So. How am I ahead of Pat Forty? That's what I want to know, and I love Pat. But how how am I ahead of Pat? Well, I, I, I believe because Pat has recently uh, he's pretty much taken Rick Pitino to the woodshed. He has, he has. I give him credit. I give him credit, and, and Rick Bozich has done a good job of being objective as well. And uh, and again, listen, the one the one thing I'll say is uh, if anybody questioned. Uh, whether I'm an objective uh, or, or try to be as objective as I can. Again, with certain kids, I'll admit I find it difficult. You know, with certain kids that I've known since they were 14, 15 years old, um, you know, I'll give you a good example. Here's a good example, of, and I would do this for any kid. Greg Paulus uh, at Duke, his freshman year, they got knocked out of the NCAA tournament. And uh, I've known him since he was – I don't know, 14 years old at that point. And that was a team with J.J. Reddick and, and Sheldon Williams. And right. in the locker room after the game, he he's bawling. He's bawling because he felt like he let those seniors down. And a camera is, like, in his face as he's bawling. And he looks at me and he asks if I can stand in front of the camera. And you know what? I did it. Probably shouldn't have, but I did it. I felt bad for the kid. He's a good kid. I don't you know, I, I don't know. Again, I, I have a soft spot for good kids, and most of these kids, whether it's Euless, Poitras is a great kid. I, I want to see more out of Alice, and I've said that in the past. An unbelievable kid. I think Marcus Lee is a great kid. Uh, John Wall, again, an unbelievable kid. Um, so, you know, I think people tend to, and not just Kentucky fans, I think it's coaches as well. I could say 99 good things about a coach or a program, and when I say one one bat, like, for instance, here's a good one, Kansas. Everybody thinks I'm, like, have this unbelievable relationship with Bill Self, and, you know, I, I, I talk to him all the time and this and that. And, you know, 
I wrote a story basically uh, saying Andrew, you know, not hammering Andrew Wiggins, but before Andrew Wiggins' first game, I think I was probably his harshest critic before and throughout the season. Last year, I wrote something saying Kelly Oubre was the least productive freshman in the last 10 years of, of the elite freshmen uh, over the first six games. Again, Bill Self went after me. It is what it is. You know, Patino's got after me. Do you think he was happy that I wrote the story, you know, that came out a couple months ago? No, of course he wasn't. But I have a job to do. And and that's much what uh, Jay Williams said when he was on. He's like, you know, I don't have a loyalty to Duke. I don't have a loyalty to Coach K. I have a loyalty to keep my job. So yeah, I have yeah, a loyalty it, to be to be true to myself and, and, and other people. And, and you try, again, I'm not saying – there's not times that the, the human element doesn't come into play like it did with Greg Paulus, like it does with Robbie Hummel or, or you know, a guy that I know really well, like George Niang of Iowa State. Yeah, of course. They're college kids. It's a different – and I don't think I ever made it personal. If you look back at what I wrote or tweeted about Andrew Harrison, I'm not sure – I think people took it that way. But I don't think if you look back on those actual tweets – it was ever personal, and I tried to balance it out when he played well, saying when he played well. It was just that early on, I, I did not like their body language. I did think they were overrated, uh, and, and honestly, both were both were correct. But, but again, that goes back to my point. They were overrated, but not because they said they were rated where they were. It was that's exactly right. You you are and, right and, about that. And I think that that's where people think that it, it gets personal because the players don't rate themselves. It's somebody else, and it's kind of like you want to you want to see somebody take the stance at those prognosticators. Yeah, and, and, and no doubt. I mean, listen, I don't rank the kids, but certainly uh, I will take fault for for blowing kids up. Uh, in, a, in a good way or a bad way, but more often than not, in a good way. Uh, you know, back when when they're in AU Bowl, when somebody plays really well, yeah, we get carried away. I, I did it with De'Aaron Fox this past summer. Pardon me, because I'm, I'm I'm outside right now, walking into my. Uh, I was just in the car, talking now. I'm walking into the hotel. It's about I don't know 20 degrees out here today. It is freezing. <laughs> I think we've ran into a problem here. Uh, the girl who you, uh, we've mentioned before that you have uh, blocked before in the past, uh, you take fourth all day. She said that uh, Pat Forty should win this competition, even though he's kind of made a U-turn. You have done irreparable harm to your status with BBM with this interview. You know that, right? Irreparable harm. You have done irreparable harm to your image tonight with the Blue, Blue Nation because the girl that you have blocked, if she has come forward and said maybe Pat Forty should win this uh, contest tonight. This hurts. This hurts. I, I I think I can make up ground again though on Twitter tonight if I want. I think I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it alone. Uh, if if I say that I think LSU will beat Kentucky tomorrow night, will that get me back in first place? I don't think so. We've uh, you know the the radio personality Matt Jones. I think he's even said that. You know he still has quite the following. So um, you're going to have to do better than that. <laughs> I, I, I do think tomorrow night's game is going to be one heck. Of, it, it's just so intriguing. Uh, to be honest, tomorrow night to kind of see, you know, which Ben Simmons comes out because he was like a man possessed at Vandy. So this game's going to be really, I don't know, really fun. Uh, you know, I wish I could be there for that one, but 
I'll be watching it. I'll be watching it, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna click off now because I think. Let's see. I don't know if this game started yet, the Oklahoma Kansas game, but I yes, better... it has. It's a one point game right now. It just went to media timeout. All right. See, I, I'm I'm already missing the game. Well, Jeff, will well, you we come sh- back on and talk with us another time? Of course, of course. Um, Wonderful. Just uh, yeah, just uh, I'm trying to think number wise. Just. Uh, on Twitter, just direct message me. I'll follow you and, and direct message me, and I'll give you my number and you call me anytime. Great. Thank you. We you really appreciate it. you, you it, giving us some time. Now, very nice talking to you, and uh, we'll talk again soon. All righty. Thank you, Jeff. And that was a, a surprise visit by Jeff Goodman from ESPN and uh, I can tell by the reaction of some of the tweets we've been getting that uh, – uh, Jeff was a pleasant, uh, a pleasant surprise. Uh, pleasant surprise, yeah. Um, <laughs> although Shannon G11, she said the problem I have with Goodman is he always seems to go after and continue to dog certain kids, and that that was kind of the point we brought up with him, Shannon. That, and I think where he sets where his human element comes in when he's known the kids and has watched them play for a number of years, he kind of brings a little. I don't want to call it baggage, but he brings a little history in, and that probably does color some of his opinions. But uh, it's always nice to hear it straight from the horse's mouth, and we will make sure that we get uh, Jeff on again uh, in a few weeks so when we've seen a few more games and see where he stands on everything. But right now, uh, we need to squeeze in a break real quick because uh, – The bills keep piling up, but we still have to pay them. You know, that's just how that works in uh, radio. So, again, WUKB 103.5 in Whitesburg. We appreciate all your listeners down there, and we're going to take another two-minute break. We will be back then, so don't go anywhere. This is Big Blue Views.
And welcome back to Big Blue Views. We are going to enter into our last segment. We, uh, Boy, what a night we've had. Uh, we had a great segment with Justin Rowland and a, a wonderful discussion on the Patino banner. And then we had the surprise visit by Jeff Goodman from ESPN. Yeah, with that being said, uh, give us a call and tweet at us. Uh, of course, give us a call, 646-716-4741. We'd like to know now who you, who your uh, biggest jar- journalist is. Um, and while we're talking about it, let me just go ahead and give mine. Um, I can see Jeff's point. Uh, he does get our go a lot. And sometimes, even though he says he doesn't, I think sometimes he does write things just to get our attention. However, uh, even before coming in tonight, I knew mine was going to be Clay Travis. He is a piece of work. Um, I don't know the exact tweet, but he said something to the effect of, I wrote the quote down for you. Oh, you wrote the quote. Please read it to me. Yes, I looked it up because I wanted it. He said it was pretty mean of college football to put West Virginia in Motel 6 Bowl knowing that none of their fans can afford to stay there. And that is really sad, especially whenever you consider the landscape of West Virginia right now. West Virginia, and, and I know because I'm from the next door, well, we're all from the next door state, but I literally live right across the river from West Virginia in Pike County, Kentucky. And we've done a lot of our shopping, a lot of our visiting. Heck, I had family that lived over in Mingo County, West Virginia, and they are struggling right now with the coal industry. I mean, there's coal mines shutting down west and right. People are having to leave the area, leave their families, and go find work elsewhere. And then he wants to take a jab at how poor they are. Man, again, if I was, if I could see that man, I'd probably spit in his eye. That is beyond reprehensible. Well, and then that was on the heels of an article he wrote about the dumbest fans. Uh, and I believe it wasn't Clay Travis one who wrote the article last year before the Kentucky West Virginia game that it had to be the dumbest matchup because it had two dumbest fan bases. In college basketball, and he went on to say that uh, you know Kentucky, with all their one and does, that their basketball team, uh, even with all of the one and does, their basketball team had more education than the rest of the state combined. I think you're having my problem earlier, sis. I'm having trouble hearing you. Oh. Uh, he had said that even with Kentucky having all their one and does, uh, meaning that they just won school one year, that the basketball team collectively had more education than the rest of the state of Kentucky combined. I'm telling you, he is a piece of work. So, I mean, I know that he's not necessarily a Kentucky troll, but he is, he is, I can't take him seriously at all, and I don't know why anyone does. Yeah, so, you know, if you want to have uh, some anger uh, and and have somebody to direct it to, Clay, Clay Travis is probably a, a much more worthwhile target for that, but if we're just going to get into annoying, well, there's so many that fit the annoying type. <laughs> so well, you know, one would miss uh, talk about Pat Forty and Rick Bozich with there when we spoke with Jeff Goodman. I mean, they are both great targets, but it's kind of hard to bust their chops when they have really held Rick's feet to the fire recently. Well, that's true. I still want to see Pat Forty come out with one article 
And, and why didn't he, you know, with, with Rick's indiscretion a few years back or when all of the uh, Katina Powell stuff came out, why was there not a, you know, you let you made your bed, now sleep in it, Ricky? That was the <laughs> article we wanted to see. And, and Pat Forty, I think, I think Pat Forty was probably more gracious than Rick. Bozich. Rick Bozich was a little bit more honest and direct, and he has really been taking the heat from the Louisville fans who are you know now saying that he never, he just always wanted Louisville to fail and yada yada yada. So uh, probably not surprising that the the Louisville fans don't think too much of him right now. But that's you know welcome to our world. You have one journalist writing something about you. And we have the whole world. It's it's Kentucky against the world. We know that. Yeah, it always is. <laughs> so so anyway. you guys have you guys have that question to ponder on, and of course, let us know what you think um, at Big Blue Views, or give us a call six four six seven one six four seven four one. And Michelle, I think it might be time for us to get into our weekly edition of Into or, or Over It. Or went into it and over it. Okay, well, I'm going to let you go first this week, Kristen. What are you into? I'm in the Marcus Lee's face mask. I absolutely <laughs> love it. Um, he he played, you know, um, I didn't want to get too far in the weeds with Jeff there, but he had mentioned that, you know, Marcus Lee maybe wasn't talented enough, but there's been nothing to show that he isn't this season, especially against Ole Miss. He, I mean, I think he had three or four dunks, maybe more than that. He was had everything. Everything was on point with him. And I just think he should wear the face mask like every game, which there was mention of maybe him uh, locking to wear it. So we will see what happens with that. Um, I'm over um, Catfish on Twitter. And for those who don't know, I know we have listeners um, there at WUKB who, who maybe not participates with us on Twitter. A catfish is someone who pretends to be someone they're not to reel someone in, um, to get someone's attention to talk to them, maybe try to strike up a flirtatious relationship uh, via social media. And we have seen our fair share lately on Twitter. They pop up and then they get exploited by some of our really great followers and friends on Twitter, and then they, they delete their accounts. So uh, this catfish thing is getting out of control. Listen, if you can't be comfortable in your own skin and who you are, then don't get on social media because we don't need you faking it, okay? Just get over yourself and quit. Yeah, and and just expanding on that one, the the really sad thing about the whole catfish deal, there are people that they have a falling out with somebody or they don't like somebody. They block them. They have their their little run-in or whatever. And then they turn around and will create a fake account to go follow the person that blocked them. So then they they can find ways to subtweet them and and make comments about it. I mean, and and they want to talk about that that the people that they are stalking are stalkers. (laughs) It's laughable, and and it's it's ridiculous. And and it ruins the experience for everybody else that's there for genuine reasons. And some of us, you know, I got on Twitter to talk about sports. Exactly. this happens a lot, I mean, on Twitter, period, whether you're involved with the fan base or not. But there are people who get on Twitter and say, I am a fan of Kentucky, I'm a part of the Big Blue Nation, and all they are is catfish. I mean, listen, go troll another fan base. We got people 
we got friends and followers on Twitter who are like private investigators when it comes to this stuff. They will sniff you out and they will rat you out. They'll put you on blast. Just know that if you want to be a catfish in the Big Blue Nation, it's not going to last long. Well, as a matter of fact, last night's catfish lasted about 13 hours before their account was deleted. And someone found the picture on some random website. They used a fake picture, and it was a random website. I would have never thought to look there or to find that picture there, but they did. And how they do it, only God knows in them. But oh, I know. Half off to them. <laughs> well, of course you did, Michelle. You know everything. But half off to the people who sniff these guys out and, and put them on blast because that is just, I don't know why people do that. But anyway, you have an into it, Nova, I'm sure. Well, I do. I say what I am into. This will be a real shock. Tyler freaking you, was, y'all. No, I'm telling you what. I mean, all he had to do was hear a bunch of people before the Louisville game. It was one story after another about. Well, Tyler has just lost it. He can't shoot anymore. And, you know, it's so funny because uh, there was actually somebody on Twitter one last year who had tweeted that we needed to keep Andrew Harrison on the bench and there was no reason for Cal to ever play anybody but Tyler Ewis. And that very same person <laughs> uh, was on Twitter, well, how come he's got Tyler Ewis on the sport? <laughs> Some people will never be oh. happy. Oh, yeah. So I, uh, I was taking my drink of water and I swallowed it the wrong way because I was laughing. But <laughs> Tyler Ewis with the Louisville game, with the Ole Miss game, and, and the job that he did on Stephon Moody, especially the first half, now they eased up and there was a lot of switching in the second half, and that's when Moody got the majority of his points. But And I will take exception with Jeff Goodman uh, that he said that Chris Dunn was better defensively. I, I don't think he's paid close enough attention. When Tyler was puts his mind to it and he focuses in and he wants to defend somebody, I want Tyler on my team. I'll take him over just about everybody. Yeah, me as well. I would definitely choose Tyler Ulyss over Chris Dunn. Not taking anything away from Chris Dunn. And maybe it's because I've just seen Tyler more. I know Tyler better. But uh, he's the guy I want on my team. Absolutely. And what I am over, and I uh, as I told you last week, I knew I was over something. And I, I lost my piece of paper because I had it worded a certain way. I found a piece of paper, and I'm still over it. And that, I'm calling it the shoe razzle-dazzle. <laughs> I mean, you know, there were some uh, people that took exception to, to Jay Williams uh, being critical of Isaiah Briscoe's, those, oh, those horrible, horrible green and red things he had on for that one game. Uh we're a team, and, and you get some really great shoes at UK. I would love it if our players would just wear blue or white. I'll even go for black because it's a neutral. But all these shoes of the week, I am just over it, over it, over it. That's not real life, you know. I mean, have you seen the prices of those things? <laughs> <laughs> They're expensive. Uh, yeah, I wear I wear my shoes until like the soles are coming off. You know that, that that's that's my budget thing. So this thing about that you wear shoes for one game and that's it. I don't know. I'm just kind of over it. I say stick with the blue and white. 
Well, listen, there's not much on their uniform that they can personalize and make their own. And so I don't mind the shoes, and maybe that comes a little bit from uh, my brother-in-law, my husband's brother. He is a a sneakerhead. That's what they call them, people that are into all these shoes. He's a sneakerhead. He has shoes that now he bought for, you know, three, four hundred dollars and now could sell for twelve or thirteen hundred. I I mean it's it's a very it's an investment and it's a collectible. So I don't think if that's their thing, it don't bother me too much. But uh, Well, you can wear those on campus all the time. I say when it's a game time you wear your Kentucky shoes. Well, we can agree to disagree on that one. I, I want I want <laughs> now, I just think, you know, you got a uniform. It's called a uniform for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> So, there you go. I kind of like seeing what shoes they come out with on the court. I think it's kind of fun. Well, like I said, they can tweet their pictures in of them on campus wearing their 27 different pairs of shoes (laughs) on their hoverboards. Oh, my word. But we do have a caller. (laughs) Well, maybe the caller would like to talk about Cal on the hoverboard with us. That would be funny. But it is time for our weekly call from Mike from Pennsylvania. Mike, how are you? Hey. hey, ladies, what's going on? Hey, Mark, it's good to hear from you, sweet. Just uh, sitting here listening to the show and watching the uh, Kansas-Oklahoma game. Uh, yeah, I, I think I was so looking at that. Yeah, well, they're commercial now. What was the score? It was like, what, 24-19, uh, something like that? 24-19 with about seven minutes to go in the first, so pretty entertaining. And Kansas you know, is up, keeping it close. which don't surprise me. But uh, yeah, like I said, just sitting here listening to the show, you know, I'm going to call in real quick. I, I know you're talking about the uh, the Tyler Ulis, and uh, you know, I'm a little biased as well. You know, I think Tyler is is the best in the country, um, but followed very closely by Melo Trimble from Maryland. My buddy I, Alex and I got into it a little bit on Twitter this evening about you know he's taking Melo and. Obviously, I'm taking Tyler, and we're both biased. I mean, he's a Maryland fan, and I'm a you know Kentucky fan. But you know, Melo definitely has to be in that that conversation. But like you said, I'll take Tyler every single day. Yeah, I think that that Tyler gets dismissed so easily as a pro prospect because of his height. But you know, I mean, it's it's been proven uh, at least by a couple of players that. You don't have to be six foot tall to excel in the NBA, and and I keep going back to uh, Jay Billis and what he said during the Duke game about Tyler Ewis. If you're if good enough, you're big enough. Exactly, and his decision making is is outstanding. You know, if you know coming down to we need a bucket to, to tie or win a game, I want I want Tyler running the floor. I, you know, he makes you know he makes great decision. His ball handling. Um, his shooting ability, like I said, I don't think there's anybody in the country I would rather take that ball down to have that last shot than Tyler. He reminds me so much of Anthony Epps, especially in his basketball IQ. I think maybe Tyler even has a stronger basketball IQ than what Anthony has, but their games are so comparable in, in the way, I think, in the way they think. It's really kind of eerie. Oh, absolutely. And, and, the, and the, the, the field of vision. Like, you know, Tyler, you know, when he's coming down, he sees everything. And it's amazing how much, you know, he can pick out when he's coming down. And even not even just walking down the court, but, you know, on a fast break or anything, you know, he can dissect it so quickly. And it's it's amazing. 
the other thing about Tyler, and, and I, I, I wanted to tweet this out the other night, and then something else happened, and I didn't. But if you watch, the camera will go to Tyler between plays, and when, when, he, when you know he's just done something to, just fantastic, and you, you see him in the background, and he has got this this, this cute little uh, impish grin, I guess. That's the best way to describe it. Like, like mm-hmm. see, I knew I could do that. Y'all didn't know. I, mean, <laughs> I just absolutely love that. He's having fun, and that's that's great to see. You know, you know, I know it's business, and you know, winning games and winning championships is, is you know what you're there for. But like you said, the little smile because you know when you're good and you know you're good. I mean, it's it's hard not to smile. Like you said, when he you know he did one of them razzle dazzle plays or threw one of those oops to the big boys or whatever. But you're right; it, it, it's nice to see him with that. That it's not a big smile; it's just like a little. Out the corner of the mouth, just like, yeah. <laughs> well, he had that same grin on his face when he was watching, um, oh, the granny free throw shooter, Onawaku. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had that, and it was so funny because he's standing behind him, and you could see it the first free throw that that guy under underhanded up there. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Well, it's unique. I mean, you know, how how many times do you really get to see something like that? I mean, you know, unless you're, watching a bunch of fifth or, you know unless you're watching some new kids in the fourth or fifth grade or something, you know what I mean? But to watch a grown man do it. But, you know, whatever. If that's that's what he needs to do, then, you know, by all means. But, but I you're right, you know, his... I never knew that there would be something that I could compare in my basketball game to someone in, in, you know, college basketball, you know, especially a top ten team. But listen, me and Onawaka, we shoot Onawaka, we shoot free throws the exact same way. <laughs> <laughs> That's too much. Well, uh I'll let you all go so you can take some more calls and get back to your show. Just want to call and say hi and weigh in a little bit on the uh the Tyler Lewis uh being the best in the country and you know, I'll sit here and listen to the rest of the show and Enjoy this basketball game, and can't wait to watch the Cats play. That's tomorrow night. It's going to be a good one. You got That's a prediction right. for tomorrow night? I knew you were going to, going to pin this on me, but uh, <laughs> I said I, I I was thinking about it during during the show because I was like I, I said to myself, she's going to ask. So one of those two ladies are going to ask me what my prediction is. I say it's going to be seventy five sixty nine Cats. I like it. And and that's going kind of close to the current uh, Vegas odds, which have uh, Kentucky as a five-point favorite. So, yeah, we're right in line be, with that. I think it's going to be a good game. It's going to be competitive. It's going to be hard-nosed. But, you know, our boys are going to come out on top. So, Well, Mike, yeah. thank you for calling tonight. Thank you for taking my call, as always. And uh, go Cats. Go Cats. Thank you, Mike. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. You know, Michelle, well, one thing one thing about this game coming up is, is going to be hard because I don't know, because I, I don't know LSU's schedule, but they're coming off that Vandy game where they really gained some momentum, and we're coming off the Ole Miss game where we really gained some momentum. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be definitely interesting. 
Well, my take on it, I mean, I, I realize that uh, Simmons seems to be getting a little more help now, but the whole thing is Simmons cannot score 75 points in a game. Well, especially so, against Kentucky. He's not going to he, – I mean, the defense is going to be much tougher. Uh, he's going to face a defense, I think, maybe not like he's seen as of yet. Well, the the point I was going to, to get at was that he's had a couple of games where he's just absolutely gone off like, you know, 30-plus points. And, and that's where we get all this talk about him being player of the year. But his team lost several of those games that they shouldn't have, even after he's going off, if you will. So – it's kind of like I think it, it becomes less important to fully shut down Simmons. I'm, I'm not saying you don't defend him, but, you know, it, just kind of accept that he's going to get 20-plus points. That That's not a failure on Kentucky's part at all if he scores 20, 25 points, as long as you defend the heck out of the rest of that team because Simmons cannot beat you by himself. Well, sure, and if you do what you can – to, you know, defend Simmons, and he still gets 22 points, fine. But if you shut down the rest of their team, it's obvious. They can't – Simmons cannot win the games by himself. So you let Simmons be Simmons, but you take care of the rest of the team, Kentucky's got that win. Exactly. And and I think that uh, the Mike had, a, a I think, a very reasonable and realistic score prediction. I'm I'm kind of – Again, it'll be, you know, I, I want to see Jamal Murray, and I'm, I'm seeing positive signs. Uh, like Cal told him, you don't get, uh, because your your shot was extremely difficult or you did something, you know, really flashy to get there, it doesn't count for any more points than taking the easy shot. And seeing Murray, you know, that that's starting to sink in and seeing positive steps. So if he can get his first half scoring, I, I think we could get up into the 80s. Otherwise... Um, I think the the low to mid seventies is probably about what we can expect to see the cat score, and I, and I do think that we are going to win just because, if for no other reason than LSU has Johnny Jones as their coach. Yeah, listen, Johnny Jones. Listen, I don't even know how he got that job in the first place. He really cannot coach a middle school team to a county championship. That's the god He's terrible. Oh yeah, it, it it just it blows my mind. I think I I tweeted to uh, somebody the other day that uh, has anybody done less with more in the last five years than Johnny Jones? I don't think so. So I mean, now, I now we're starting to get all kinds of tweets about shoes and hoverboards. <laughs> I love it. I love it how how our conversations seem to just carry a life of their own whenever we're on Twitter. We have um, uh, Jess and uh, at UK Sports All Day and then Dave Breckenridge. We've kind of all uh, four of us, Michelle and I and them, we've kind of gotten into a lively discussion there on uh, Twitter about you know about the shoes, of course, that was in Michelle's uh, over it and, uh, and then about hoverboards, which they're, like Dave mentioned, they're really technically not hoverboards. They don't hover. They have to wheel. I, I, I tweeted that the other night. Who named them that? They're on the ground. They're not hovering over anything. <laughs> I think somebody said, why don't you call it what it is, and, and I won't use the language, but basically a jacked-up segue. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of a, it's a more dangerous segue. 
Oh, yeah. And so we've had a couple of tweets about not calling them hoverboards and a couple of tweets about that hoverboards should be banned from all players. <laughs> and I kind of agree with that. I mean, there, again, Coach Cal was on one, and he couldn't even – I mean, he could retain his balance with it. These kids, I mean, listen, I know they mastered them pretty well, but they are still dangerous. Well, I've got to give Brad Calipari a lot of credit for not letting go of his dad because, you know, those are those are two very expensive hits in Coach Cal's body. <laughs> and, and we don't need, well, you know, the 2013-14 the season, he was in so much pain oh, was he with ever? that hip. And, and we just don't need him. It's been so nice to have Swaggy Cal back. I love and, Swaggy Cal. And, and, you know, you didn't know until after he had that surgery. I mean, you knew he was in pain prior to his last hip replacement. But until you saw him back at 100% after that surgery, you didn't realize how much of a toll that it had taken on him physically. Oh, yeah. it's it, It's so good to have him back and to have him... Um, you know, pain-free or relatively pain-free, I assume. And it, it's just it's good to see Coach back. But, but, but that, if you all didn't see it, if you go to CoachCal.com or you can uh, obviously search that on Twitter, you can find it on Facebook. Uh, Coach uh, posted a couple of videos of him attempting to uh, learn how to ride a hoverboard, and I was in absolute tears laughing at that. It, it was hysterical. I think he said something to the effect of old people should not try this. <laughs> yeah. And then his second try came back a little bit later and going, this time I did a little bit better, but still, old people, don't do this. <laughs> so I'm here to tell you, Coach Cal, uh, apparently I'm an old person because I want the shoes to match the uniform. So uh, let's get shoes to match the uniform and nobody on hoverboards. So there we go. Um, can, can I just say, uh, you, had, you had said there on Twitter, you and Dave had agreed that the shoes should match the uniform. And you had said something about old schoolers unite. And then Jess, <laughs> she tweeted out, hashtag old. <laughs> yes, well, I've got much more life experience, so. My, my Twitter daughter best back off just a little bit on the old thing there. So <laughs> She's getting a little sassy, isn't she? <laughs> she is. I tell you what, she's probably mad because we told Jeff Goodman she said something nice about him. <laughs> uh, for anyone who's not watching, uh, it looks like right now uh, Oklahoma is down about eight points to Kansas at 26-34 with three minutes and 15 seconds left in the first half. So. Um, I didn't expect them to pull this one out there at uh, Allen Fieldhouse, which is a, um, a a very hard place to play. Um, much like Rupp, it's a very hard place to play. Actually, whenever Kentucky goes down there, we still have a time a time left till we get there. It's, we're going to play a mid-conference schedule. But it's going to be hard for Kentucky to win that one as well. But, and this is totally, totally, totally off topic, nothing that we've been discussing, but uh, since the tweet came through, I did want to bring this up, uh, and that is our good friend Johnny Pittman. Uh, he's co-host of the Mills Show, Cameron Mills Radio Show on Saturdays, and of course, a good personal friend of mine and Kristen's, and Johnny has uh, recently uh, traveled to Iceland. He's there with his daughter. Uh, Gabrielle, who 
and I can't even begin to remember the specific thing about the horses that she trains, but it's a gated horse kind of thing. And, and she's 16, 17 years old, and she was selected to train some horses in Iceland. There was a trainer there, but I don't remember all the details. It was no longer available, but they asked her to come for three months, which is like a huge, huge honor and a big dream of hers because that's where she wants to go. And Johnny traveled to Iceland with her, and he's there now. And I just saw that a few minutes ago, Cameron tweeted out that uh, his co-host was uh, continuing on with his goal of being in the hospital in a hospital of every country he ever visits. So uh, Johnny is currently in the emergency room. Uh, I cannot pronounce the name of the the Reykjavik. I guess that's, that's the town in Iceland. Yeah, close, close enough. enough. <laughs> anyway, before Christmas, Johnny had been in the hospital, uh, I think on Christmas Eve, with a, a really, really bad case of kidney stones. Um, and I don't think he ever passed them, but they got medication to at least alleviate uh, some of the worst symptoms. But now he is back back in the emergency room, and he's just asked for our prayers. And so I wanted to pass that along. And so I'm pretty sure that... Johnny uh, is uh, not able to listen to us tonight, but uh, just uh, hope that he does get the message that we are definitely sending prayers and hope that he uh, is able to resume his Icelandic adventure in full health very, very soon. Man, poor Johnny. That's got to be terrible. I'm just sitting here thinking, I hope they have really good drugs over there in Iceland to help him out a little bit because that, man, kidney stones, I've never had them, but uh, my sister-in-law, my husband's uh, sister, She has had them, and they are excruciating. So uh, I hope they have good drugs in Iceland, and and until they get them resolved, man, our prayers are out there for him, that he gets better and is able to have fun in Iceland while he's there. Yeah, so um, good grief. We are down to just another seven minutes left in the show. Boy, did time fly tonight. (laughs) So that means if anybody wants to call in, your uh, your window is narrowing. Give us a shout, 646-716-4741. About mess that all up. <laughs> well, it's worked. I mean, you know, we, we must be doing okay because Jeff Goodman figured out how to call us tonight. So. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was just wild. That I, that was the last thing I expected to happen tonight. But, I mean, I'm thankful he was actually fairly charming on the show tonight. Yeah, man, and it just kind of ruins my whole image of him. So now I've got to. So let's get those votes in. Jeff Goodman wants to be voted the most annoying and worst journalist, uh, worst sports journalist. So uh, by all means, tweet to him and tell him that he got your vote. He's at Goodman ESPN. So, so let him know that you that he is your most annoying or your your least favorite journalist, and he's just gonna he's gonna love it. He so, will. Uh, he'll, he'll be so honored. <laughs> and and so like I said, we'll have to uh, you know, be looking for our tweets because I can guarantee you that we will bring Jeff back on our show again because it's a uh, he he does have a a, a very uh, good perspective. Like I said, he's been following. Uh, these kids for years and years, and even though you know Jeff can get on our nerves, he he does bring some good information to the table every once in a while. So 
He does. And listen, it's not sports if there's no banter. And there's no sports if there, it's not sports if there's no bad guy. So he wants to assume that role, and we will gladly let him. So, by the way, Oklahoma has gone on a tear. They have now taken the lead. There's 39 seconds left in the first half. It's 41-40, and Self just got teed up, and uh, he's uh, I think on the verge. If he's not careful, he's going to get his rear end kicked out of the the gym. So. Uh, things aren't going as swimmingly for cat. Oh, sorry, not 39 seconds, 3.9 seconds. Wow. I mean, that was a quick turnaround. Oh, absolutely. So uh, that game is on ESPN. So uh, those of you all that uh, have cable or satellite, that works. <laughs> well, there I you go. I think we mentioned on Twitter, uh, but I think it's our very again. Um, Happy New Year to everyone. We 2015 was such a cool year. You and I started the podcast uh, back in March. Uh, you brought me on shortly after as a segment host with the views from the street. And then, of course, you know, Mark decided that, you know, he, he'd rather do other things. He let me sit in his chair. And, and I'll tell you, we've had a great 2015. I am so excited to see what this year has in store for the cats and, and for Big Blue Views. So, Happy New Year to everyone, and we're glad that you decided to be a part of us tonight. And over the course of the time since this podcast has been on, I mean, I've got to just give a huge, huge thank you to all the the great guests that we have had over the months. I mean, we've had Tom Leach and Mike Pratt, Mike DeCourcy. We've had Jay Williams, obviously, uh, Justin Rowland tonight, of course. I mean, we, Jeff Goodman tonight, of course. Yeah, I mean, you just never know on our show. But uh, And, of course, we've had uh, Larry Vaught and Kyle Tucker. Uh, we've had them multiple times. Mm-hmm. And and that's just why one of the, the great things about this podcast, I mean, we're living the dream. We really are. I mean, we're getting to talk to these people whose, whose views we respect. Or, in some cases, if, if we don't, re- if we didn't respect them before, at least now we have a better understanding, especially uh, <laughs> for it concerns Goodman. But uh, without our listeners and without our guests, we would be uh, just we we wouldn't need to be on a podcast. We could just have these conversations on the phone and spare you all our ramblings. <laughs> sure, and and I thank the people who. Listen there in uh, 103.5 WUKB, if they didn't like us, they would yell at their radio station and say, get them idiots off the air. But uh, obviously they're enjoying us as well, and so we are really thankful for that. And uh, we, and I know Michelle Morton, she did tweet in. She's one of our very loyal listeners, even though last week she forgot it was Monday. <laughs> Uh, and she woke up Tuesday and realized that she had missed Big Blue Views. But uh, <laughs> we, we had a lot of fun with that this week. Told her to set a reminder that, you know, it, it's the night before the podcast. You know, don't forget tomorrow is when you tune in. But uh, <laughs> she says Kentucky will win tomorrow night 74 to 68. And she I has been, I said, the, the thing that I love about our listeners, and Michelle's a great one for this, Nick, of course, uh, Jess, that's uh, UK Sports All Day. They they get us things. Uh, they they find things on Twitter or online, other places, and they send us ideas uh, or information that we might want to share on the show. 
And I tell, I really appreciate that because you know we're a staff of two. <laughs> we are. <laughs> and and when you all take the time to to these things, we keep those coming because we could miss some stuff. And if it's interesting to you, then we know it's going to be interesting to other listeners. So please keep those tweets coming all week long. We, we'll keep. We try to keep pretty good track of them so that we can cover the things that you want to hear each week. And we really appreciate that. That That is just, that's priceless in my book. Uh, yeah, I agree. Keep them coming. And so Oklahoma went into the half with the lead. I, now I'm not going to tell you how many points because uh, now they're showing highlights. And But I'll tell you what, they came back from seven down to three up in a hurry. I mean, it was just oh, four up. It's 44-40 at the half. My goodness. Oh, quick stat. DeMarcus Cousins, 15th game this season to have at least 20 points and 10 rebounds. The only player with more is Anthony Davis with 16. So uh, that would be BBN in the NBA. And uh, there are some uh, great accounts out there that uh, there's X-Cats, there's uh, M.G. Simmons, I think. There's some people out there. Scott Charlton's another one. And we'll try to get a list of those. But there's some accounts that you want to follow on Twitter because they are on point and keeping you up to date on everything uh, with the Cats and the NBA. And we've got a lot of them. But we're about done for the night. We appreciate you all tuning in like you always do. And we can't wait to hope you have another one next Monday night. Actually, we're pretty sure you did because you're still here listening. Join us and the rest.